Hi, friends. Hi. Hi, hi, hi. It's me, Kelsey. It's me, Carly. Hey, so we have a really long, 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 long discussion today. Well, longer than usual. It's yeah. not the longest ever. It's true. It's true. So in lieu of our regularly scheduled pregame <laughs> party, <laughs> we, are, we are going to play a very fast game I like to call Clap It Out. But... Okay, I don't know what the game is. <laughs> you do, once uh, I describe it. This is a game we played since our youth, in oh which no. we are going to... I'm actually going to tap out on the table instead of clap. Are, are you the only tapper? Can I tap? We, you can have a round if okay. you want. Um, basically, the goal is to <laughs> tap out the rhythm of a song, <laughs> the melody of any song, and the other has to try and guess what it is. <laughs> So, um, to narrow it down, I will give you a specific genre. Thank you. Um, I am going to do a VeggieTales song. Are you ready? Okay. I'm really excited. tricky because I started on the pickup. I'm very sorry. All right. All um, right. All right. Your revenge now. Okay. Um, your genre is Oscar winner. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Daisy doesn't like your drumming. <laughs> Can I start over because a dog interrupted me? Here. Come here, Daisy. Yes. Daisy. Spit spot, Daisy, over there. <laughs> okay, ready? Yeah. Cinematic. It's uh, My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. Well, that's what I was thinking it was gonna be, but it didn't sound like it. Your. Oh, well, okay. We need to readjust the rules to say if you're starting at the chorus or at the beginning of the song. Okay, okay. Round two, round two. Okay, round two, round two. Right now. All right. This is a. Uh, let's do a country song, Ugh. starting at the chorus. Okay, like era. Um, when there was good country. <laughs> cool, cool. Okay. <laughs> Would you like me to do the count too, so you hear? Yeah, can One, you five, six, seven, eight me in? Five, six, seven. 
say if you were starting at the verse or the chorus? I said the chorus. Okay, I was not listening. <laughs> Five, six, seven. Retune and we'll oh. all get back at the local saloon. We'll raise up our glasses against evil forces saying, Whiskey for my men, beer for my horses. Oh, yes, me. Nice job. Thanks, That's good you. one. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Um, should I also stick to country for you? Uh, you don't no, have I don't to. want to have to. Hmm. Okay, okay, okay. Your clue, Carly, is hmm. our childhood. Okay. I'm sorry, from the beginning of the song. Okay. Well, but the beginning of the, the verse. So the lyric. The lyric. Okay. Five, six, seven, eight. As soon as they, well, I saw it on TikTok of 90s girls screaming because they knew it was Hanson. And I was like, it is Hanson. It's unmistakable. I was telling all of my students, I was like, do you watch The Masked Singer? And they were all like, some of them were like, yeah. And I was like, here's the thing. The Russian dolls are Hanson. I'm telling you right now. And they're like, who is that? And I was like, let me educate you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. it's, the harmonies are unmistakable. Yes. And hard to beat. Also, how can three little, like, Oklahoman white boys sound so much like Michael Jackson and Bruno Mars, and they are so anointed. They really are. They really are. Much love, Hanson. We were you. Come on, podcast. We look just like you. We are your. We're your brothers. We (laughs) we are. I am your brother. Speaking of reality (laughs) TV, do you want to know something? I don't think I've thought of that song (laughs) since Since it happened. Okay, friends, today we are going to be talking about unity, the blessing of unity, Uh, because right now, it's not some, I, I think right now, to put a positive spin on this, I really do think that right now unity is something that everybody wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think that the reason that there is so much tension right now is actually because deep down people do want unity more than they want disunity. Right. However, we're not being very successful in our venture. Yes. And so uh, we're going to talk about that and why yeah. we think that is and how we can how we can better seek unity. And um, as we've been brainstorming this, and not even just this week, knowing the episode was coming, but this has been something we've been talking about for um, at least the last Ever. year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think that what it's kind of boiled down to in our conversations is that uh, I think a big reason why we are not landing in a unified place 
in this time is because we are confusing unity with uniformity. Yeah, yeah. Um, that the unity we're fighting for and dreaming of, the details of it um, yeah, end up looking more like um, uniformity. We expect things to look more same. Yeah. Because sameness is unified. Yeah. Technically. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't quite... Just making things the same does not necessarily mm-hmm. breed true unity. So mm-hmm. uh, it just feels like this has been a conversation that we've been having for a long time. We'll probably continue having for a long time. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that we're really only at the tip of the iceberg in terms of like how loud our nation is going to be, how loud mm-hmm. things are going to feel in the church, how loud things are going to just feel globally. Yeah. Um, and so I think that the earlier we can start having these discussions about unity, the better. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just have really felt, I, I really do feel, even when I'm talking with people who I disagree with, or when I see people who are, you know, um, on social media or mm-hmm. even just out in public, like the, the things they're really fighting for it there are there are moments when I get this glimpse where it's like no I really do think that our overall goal is the same yeah our our ways of getting there though are proving to be really different mm-hmm. and we're getting so stuck on those yeah that the overall goal goes entirely missed right and that we're we're not ever going to be unified in anything mm-hmm. if we keep getting in our own way yeah I think there's a big part of the problem is a lack of humility mm. on any side of, you know, that is not a natural human tendency. Right. That is a divine characteristic <laughs> that if we are going to be Christians, it is our call to lay down the self and and turn the other cheek and... um just completely sacrifice. And it doesn't mean that you don't get to stand for certain things by any means. But but in our relationships with one another, what is our objective? To try and convince them to be like us? Or to hear their heart and where they're at and elevate them and see where their, their real feelings and thoughts are? I wonder if... Um... I mean, yeah, I agree with all of that. And but I also think that that being able to name a lack of humility as the root, I do think that that's what it is. But I think that because it's the root, there are so many layers to go through to get there before you attack that thing. Yeah. And I just I I wonder like what is it that is even causing um uh, causing the root to suddenly like <laughs> rot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I do you think that technology is really like a main technology is a big part of it because I just feel like social media has made it easier for us to have to face difference. Yeah. Whereas, like, t- for the most part, we are able to choose the people we exist with Mm -hmm. and we make those choices based on personal preference i know it usually feels like we choose it based on location which often your opinions are like that like that of the people who are 
in the same location mm-hmm. as you. And mm-hmm. so it has felt very, I think that, I think because, you know, if you are a person who lives in the city, you're more likely going to lean a certain way. If you live in the suburbs, you're going to lean a certain way. If you live in the countryside, you're going to lean a certain way. If you make a lot of money, if you don't make much money at all, if you are white or if you are a person of color, mm-hmm. if you are a believer or if you are not a believer, like you're going to lean in these different ways based on these different presuppositions that you have based on your communities. Mm-hmm. And until social media existed, it was probably really easy to think the whole world feels like this because right. it's all I ever see. Right. Well, and, and I think that that's, at least in my experience, a lot of my worldview shattering and changing happened because of leaving my worldview to live in a city. Yeah. And be encountering people who we had the same objectives and the same hearts and we were unified, but they were vastly different than I expected city people to be like. Yeah, because it does almost feel like, I feel like I, I, I sometimes sense this tension with people wanting, uh, I think it probably happens in the reciprocal as well. Like right. city people when their kids, I think everybody when their kid leaves the nest, it's like, oh, what are they going to be exposed to? <laughs> Um, but I do sense a tension in the more small town areas of like, we can't just don't even let them go. Don't even let them look at it because, you know, their worldview might be rocked because we so equate worldview with faith, mm-hmm. but beliefs and faith are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. They're really not. Mm-hmm. I w- I'm reading it right now in AJ Swoboda's book, um, after doubt where he says like technically the first to really testify about jesus were demons Mm -hmm. they had all the right beliefs Mm -hmm. that does not mean faith yeah and so i think it's okay to have your beliefs i think it's good to have your beliefs challenged and to have to look have to look at other things and and um i think people would be surprised how you know when you leave and you go to the city and yeah your worldview does change a little but i think they'd also be surprised how much also remains yes it just is colored differently yeah um but yeah i do i do sense this tension of like uh if they leave then they'll change but that's that just further proves this idea that's like if if we just stay where we are, everything will look like I want it to look. Mm-hmm. We won't have to face anything that challenges it. And I think that that's that layer that's above this lack of humility, that, that layer above it that needs to be addressed is fear mm-hmm. of, of anything different. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it that makes you nervous when someone who thinks differently than you do speaks? Yeah. What is it that rises in you? I don't think it necessarily manifests as anxiety mm-hmm. for all people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it probably manifests as anger. <clears throat> yeah. But when someone you disagree with, whether it's someone you know or whether it's a politician or whether mm-hmm. it's a news anchor or a celebrity or something. And or you an feel, organization. <laughs> yeah, and you feel like you have to go on social media and you have to comment on the thing with thousands of other people mm-hmm. to say your piece it's like what just rose in you to make you think you had to do that yeah if it was anxiety or anger both of those are fear rooted yes and so i think that even before lack of humility can be addressed we have to start asking ourselves like what even causes a rise in me in the first place yes and my i mean that is a huge cultural problem as a whole but i really 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 see this among christians 
And I think the specific reasoning for the Christian population that might be different than anyone who's not evangelical is this extra burden that we were indoctrinated with of being defenders of truth. Yeah. And don't don't take that word indoctrinated to sound like to be equal to brainwashing. Right. That's right. not how we mean it. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, that's what youth group was about. It was about understanding your theology and defending things. And, uh-huh. and it was very combative. And even now you see, like on TikTok, I'll be scrolling through and just people who are going on, like, there's spiritual warfare going on. And I don't disagree. I do believe but that. But that's always. But that's always. It's, yeah, exactly. It's It's not something new. And so just because your privileges are being poked at? Well, just even, yeah, I know privileges, again, it is another buzzword, yeah. but just your comforts. It, and what that means is just, like, if someone says something and you become uncomfortable, mm-hmm. your comfort has been challenged. Period. Yeah. And so instead of, <laughs> it, it's like we jump and equate those attacks as we, we call them divine spiritual attacks rather than it being a philosophical disagreement right. or an ideological disagreement right. that, that we somehow feel like we ought to defend God, ought to defend the Bible, when in reality, a lot of the times we're defending stuff that's not even in the Bible. Well, we're getting stuck on details that are not the ultimate goal. Yeah, yeah. And that's the difference between seeking uniformity and seeking unity. Mm -hmm. When we're seeking uniformity, we're going to want all the details to be the same. That's why it's called a uniform. When you're wearing a uniform, Mm -hmm. everyone looks the same. Mm -hmm. But you will not find an argument for that in Scripture. Exactly. If anything, I mean, people will be like, well, it says don't conform to the patterns of this world. You have to be transformed and follow Jesus, right? And I'm like... But that doesn't say be uniform to each other. Honestly, when I'm looking at evangelical Christianity in the United States, that looks way more conformed to the patterns of this world. The way in which we have shaped our religion is so, I mean, it's westernized, and I'm not saying that a western worldview is wrong, but we forget where our Bible came from. We forget where Jesus was located. Mm -hmm. And so there are so many things that we enforce as this is what church ought to be we've talked about this right you know Uh like this is what church ought to be this is the way we teach the bible this is the way you structure a service that are basically based on what on on no on no format that would have happened in the middle east it makes me laugh sometimes and not in a mocking like it may i i it it makes me laugh when i hear anyone say like well i believe the historic view of xyz because I just want to look at them and be like, well, your church denomination's historic view of X, Y, Z. Exactly. Exactly. Because your church broke off of a different church because of what it was doing. So mm-hmm. then you started a new line of history. Yeah. yeah. And if you look at all of the different early theologians, early church fathers, early, like the desert fathers... Their views on different things, all mm-hmm. of these discussions that we think right now, like we've never had before, these views on on um, sexuality or on marriage or these views on the Eucharist or these views yeah. on when we should meet or these views on politics or mm-hmm. this is all brand new. No, it's not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not. There's, there is a history line to all kinds of different mm-hmm. differences. Mm-hmm. That once again, we only demand be the same if we're seeking uniformity. Yes. 
not when we're seeking unity. Mm-hmm. We and get in the way of our own selves. Yeah. That, I mean, even just in the way you structure your church service, that you're going to have a lecture, basically. I mean, it's modeled after European colleges, that you have your lecturer. Yeah. And then you all sing this sort certain kind of song, and in some denominations you don't sing at all, and in some you all sing one note, there's no harmony, and you know <laughs> that it is very based in a Eurocentric worldview, and that's... Not wrong. There, there are no. some scholars that will be pretty brutal against a Eurocentric interpretation of the Bible, but I still, and maybe because I'm white, I have well, this, but like there is still the reality that the gospel is for all. And so I don't right. think that these things are wrong. I'm not saying they're wrong, but I am saying that they're not the original. They're not the original, and we are missing out on... You know, the the newness of the spirit, mm-hmm. when we are prioritizing those aspects that we think must be a certain way for unity's sake. And it's like, no, actually, the rest of Christendom doesn't do it like that. What Our goal is unity with them. They don't have to do church like we do. Mm-hmm. If, if we want them to do it like XYZ, then that's just uniform. But so there's a, uh, it's, I I can't remember the earliest origin of this parable. It's not, it's not a, of Jewish origin, but it's, uh, I don't know if it's Tibetan or Indian, the different though it, within that region of the world, there are different, um, specifics to this parable, Mm -hmm. but, and maybe a lot of you have heard it, but it's, um, the parable of the blind man and the elephant Mm -hmm. And they're all fighting over what this object is that they're feeling. And the guy at the tail says that he's got like a a, a broom or a switch Mm -hmm. or, you know, those are those details that change in the different countries. Um, The person at the tusk thinks it's a spear. The person at the ear thinks it's a basket. Like there's just all these different things that they are demanding that it is. And in some interpretations of the story, it ends up violent. They end up in a brawl. Because they were... None of them had the big picture. Yeah. And they couldn't. Yeah. They couldn't have the big picture. Right. Because even if these weren't blind men and they were literally able to say like, well, I'm, I'm holding a tusk or I'm holding an ear. This looks like an ear. And we're saying the right things. It still would not just be that one object. Mm-hmm. To demand that each of those details is exact. We see the same thing is uniformity. Yeah. To say... This is all part of a bigger thing. Let's back up and look at what that is. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's an elephant. That's unity. Yeah. Um, I think that that's exactly what they're talking about in Scripture when they talk about the parts of the church being... A body. Right. And not everyone is a hand. Not everyone is a foot. Not everyone is an eye. Not everyone is a tongue. Not everyone's a bowel. I mean, I say that to be silly, but like, there's more than just the visible things going on in a church. Well, that would also suggest that there's something that has to purge waste. Yes. but um yeah i i think that we all we know that and we i really think that we believe that we say that verse and we really believe that yes we have different gifts Mm -hmm. so we're not all gonna be good at leading worship we're not all gonna be teachers we're Mm -hmm. not all gonna be good with kids Mm -hmm. but we only ever think of it in terms of the church building yeah 
how can I, what's my role within this one group? Mm-hmm. We don't, I don't think we often think of it as like, we, we, we get, we have minimized the word church to mean our church body. Yeah. When, when scripture talks about church, it means the whole kingdom. Yes. And so even within that, out in the world, mm-hmm. we have different jobs. Yes. We're going to have different perspectives. Yes. We have to so that we can be all things to all people. Yes. I have to be standing at the tail. You have to be standing at the ear or we're not all going to see the whole one picture. big picture. And and that's what I love. I, I think we kind of talked about this when we talked about... Um, someone asked the question about should Christians have denominations or is that mm. just a bunch of disunity, right? And and I, if I'm remembering correctly, I responded saying that I love denominations because I love the different things churches will emphasize because they all matter. And to overemphasize any one thing, you're going to miss something. Yeah. And so I love, um, you know, most... Protestant denominations or evangelicals will have your sermon front and center. Mm-hmm. Catholics, Lutherans, the sermon's off to the side. The thing at the center is the Eucharist, mm-hmm. this communion. You're and, talking about the setup of the room. Yes, yeah. the literal setup of the room. Um, and that's something I had never thought about growing up, the centralized nature mm-hmm. of communion to me it was oh it's just a symbol we just do it once a month whatever mm-hmm. and then when I thought about these other churches that it's like no this is the body of Christ and whether or not I agree on some of their theological interpretations of that it has given me so much more reverence in that moment because because they, we need them to reemphasize that. And then, you know, churches that it's all about the worship show. Mm-hmm. And I say show on purpose. But at the same time, I, it is hard sometimes for me going to a church where they don't emphasize musical worship. And I know that can be secondary too. And I don't want worship to be a show. But I do love expressive worship. Mm-hmm. You know, and... and and so not even just different denominations, but different um, racial, national church expressions. Like, so cool to, like, I love videos of, um, <laughs> and they're not Christians, but Hasidic Jews and, and the men and their little dance party. Like, it's just this so powerful, moving moment where they are just surrendered to the spirit of the moment. Dance and the Jewish community yeah, makes me weep. Yes. And so that's something that I love experiencing a quote-unquote different cultural expression because Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be a different expression than my own. Mm -hmm. We are to be united. Yes, I'm in a predominantly European community, and so it is going to be much more stoic. And that's good. Yeah. I love, though, when I'm able to be with my brothers and sisters in unity in a very different style because... Because that's unity and not uniformity. Yes. And how you were saying earlier that, like, you know, just because we're westernized and modern, that's disconnected from the origin. It doesn't mean it's bad. But but that's... If the gospel is for all people mm-hmm. at all times... 
we don't have to try and uniform ourselves to look exactly like the church did in Acts 2. Yeah. Because that's, again, uniformity and not unity. Yes. It means that we're able to say, like, this is what the church looks like now. Mm-hmm. What parts of that are good? Mm-hmm. What parts of that are maybe not so good? Yeah. What parts are worth modeling off of Acts 2? And what parts do we have to let go of because of the way that culture has evolved? Yeah. Um, so it's not like it's so bad that that, you know we're so westernized like we can't change that we're westernized right we can't change that right and if we try to take on a more eastern interpretation it would turn into a lot of weird like colonialistic right right like exactly it would be it would be not great like Mm -hmm. we wouldn't understand it Mm -hmm. and we'd probably end up making a mockery of what is very real to them yes and so yes within our westernized modern interpretations of scripture the gospel is alive Mm mm-hmm but we can't act like it's the way the world should do it. Yeah. And then also, my second thought from what you just said. I do think that at this point in time, denominations are actually pretty respectful of each other. Yes, I yes. don't see a ton. I will see things like, I, I will see a lot of people who are used to a worship show not know how to handle themselves when a hymn is played. It's right. so boring. And I'm like, yeah, and it's also theologically more accurate probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or it's going to teach you more or whatever. Right. Um, or, you know, going to mass, the chanting. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they can kind of get like, it's just boring. But I think that there is respect Mm-hmm. For I don't we don't have as many questions these days of like are Catholics really Christians? Right. That was a question we were younger. I think at this point people I, are more. I respectful. Think, and I think our culture. I mean, this is something where I wish the church would learn a little something from the culture instead of just being the polar opposite. Mm-hmm. The you do you mentality. If we were a little more gracious, we would have more of that. I don't want to totally make that a slippery slope and just like allow anything, but right. but I well, you would it hope. grieves me that because the culture wants to be tolerant, the church is like, well, then we better not be tolerant. Well, but that's my, that was my question, where it's like if the churches and denominations among each other are able at this point to be pretty respectful in seeing, no, that's not how I do it. That's not my style. I'm bored when I go there, but I fully believe that we're after the same goal. Mm -hmm. If churches are able to do that with each other, at least along a right and left divide, Mm -hmm. they're not very good at seeing the ultimate goal over that line. Right. Um, Yet, I hope that we become better at seeing the places where we are similar. Yeah. But how do we translate that into seeking unity and not uniformity in 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 just our 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 nation where where the religious goal is not going to be the same one mm-hmm. how do we translate that into how we act politically because as much as we want to say like churches should not be political mm-hmm. and i do agree but as much as we say that you also hear a lot of people also say i don't understand how you can be christian and democrat mm-hmm. which to me Sounds like you're equating a political view with faith. Mm -hmm. So that would mean that you kind of want church to be political. Right. Um, But how do we take this this new respect that we have and being like, yeah, that's not my style, but I see that we're all after the same thing. Are we able to do that in in the world Mm -hmm. where it doesn't always really look like we have Mm -hmm. the same ultimate goal? 
It comes down to um, exposure and curiosity. Um, I think the reason we have been able to bridge a lot of gaps between different denominations and, I mean, I would argue that there's still quite a bit of issue on specific issues. Um, but the but, little details. Yeah. We're better at finding the ultimate goal now. Um, because there are friends now. Mm. It wasn't like we have our separate churches and we never interact with each other. It's like, no, we're, we're part of enough things. We do life together with those other churches. Mm -hmm. And so because we put a face to it and we know that person's heart. And even though, you know, maybe I don't believe that communion is literally Jesus's blood. uh, That's whatever to me. I know that that person loves Jesus Mm -hmm. and that is important to them. And so I want that to be important to them and encourage them in it. Uh, If we are able to do that in other contexts where not even just befriending people of different perspectives, like that matters too. Mm -hmm. Um, But refusing to do the pattern of the world thing and just assume the worst of people. We need to be the first to assume the best yeah. in other people. Image bearers. Exactly. Like, of course, yes, we can argue about this is a fallen world and so everyone's evil. It's like, but, but then you have to turn that on yourself too. Precisely. Precisely. So you need to be willing to question your own beliefs. Mm-hmm. And so in that attitude of humility, right? Like I'm fallen, I can be wrong. So I want to know where you stand. Mm-hmm. I want to know your heart. Not just your logistic, but like what is your ultimate objective? Because I don't think anyone's going to argue what we want to see America really look like. Except for some things. You know, like I, I think... But but they want to see people thriving, mm-hmm. succeeding, and, and there to be wealth and prosperity in, you know, we might have different definitions of how that comes about, but, but we want to see our communities do well. Mm-hmm. And so if we can come at that base level of understanding that that's what we all want, now let's discuss how we think that ought to be done. Right, because I don't think we're ever going to agree on how it ought to be done. Yeah. I really, I mean, look, look. Right. There are some of those details, and it's like, okay, are we pro-life, pro-choice? Mm-hmm. And are when we say pro-life, do we just mean Birth. unborn babies? Yeah. Or do we mean the gay kids being kicked out of their homes? Or the elderly. Right. Like, how are we defining each of these things? What platforms are we standing on? Like... Those are things that flat out people are never actually going to agree on. Mm -hmm. And so that also means that that's not the thing that we, that's not the root of Mm -hmm. the actual issue either. Like some, but if we can, the root of it is how do we make it so that, you know, unwed teen moms thrive? Mm -hmm. How do we make it so that, you know, Yes. disowned kids thrive. How do we make it that the elderly thrive? Yeah. If we all come into it saying our goal is that they thrive, yeah. even if we never get to a spot where we're like, you might never budge on your pro-choice. You might never budge on your pro-life. But knowing that you want these people to thrive should soften your approach yeah. Yeah. so that you don't tear each other apart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that idea of, um, like, with the pro-life thing... 
what do what do pro lifers do when they meet someone who's not pro life or they still are, but you know, they call them baby killers. You automatically write them off right. with an extreme statement instead of actually Asking, pretending to hey, well, why do you say that? And and instead of assuming that they're a person with complex thinking abilities and it grieves them and you know, like well, we don't right. necessarily we we assume the worst. Right. And, and I, that is that is the absolute worst thing a Christian. I can do. this I don't want this to become a conversation on like each individual specific right. thing. Right. But in terms of that one, like to to so, cause I know once we said the word abortion, we've got some people who are getting hot now kind right. of listening to right. that. But the thing is is that it's like truly I have heard phenomenal conversations on this. Yeah. From people on opposite sides, yes. who are all who are both Christians, yes. and what it comes down to is the fact that numbers show, yeah, when it's been legal, they've gone down, mm-hmm. and so uh, my own views aside, it's not that well. You're just a baby killer. Yeah, they're looking at it as, but more women now didn't even get to the spot of having to make that decision. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, so what, instead of just writing each other off, have yeah. a conversation, be like, okay, what are you seeing? And mm-hmm. they end up learning from each other. Yes. Um, that's, I, I think it will surprise us how much we can learn from people who don't think like we do and people who are not even Christians. Yes. There's a lot about my faith, a lot that I have learned about God. Some of the most profound things I have learned about the character of God, I have learned from people who don't even believe he's real. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I, I could spend a lot of time talking about yeah. that too, but that's not, that's not the well, point of yeah, conversation no, and, either. And I know that my faith has been solidified by people whose faith was crumbling. Yeah. That in their questions, I was able to examine my own stuff. And unfortunately slash fortunately, like we went in different directions with the same questions. Mm-hmm. And, and that's okay. I mean, that you might have gone to the ear and they might have gone to the tail. Yeah. And so I, I'm just trusting in God's sovereignty in that. Um, and, and so instead of getting up in arms that, well, they should have done it like me. I want to trust their heart is still in the pursuit of truth. Right. Because that, that they need to see this. Like I see it is an, is I know it feels like an ache for unity, but that is an ache for uniformity. Yes. And even when it looks like someone is walking the total opposite direction, it probably just so happens that there is someone on that road who needs them. Yes. Or who maybe they need. Mm-hmm. Someone who's going to speak their language. Yeah. I think about that. Okay. Okay. Speaking languages. This. We didn't actually get to talk about Pentecost. Yeah. 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 Um, and actually, I don't think we've actually arrived there in the church calendar. We yet, haven't. Have we? I think it's going to be in a week or two. Pentecost is the picture of church unity mm-hmm. and in not, diversity. And not one person was speaking the same language. Yeah. Yeah. It's the reversal of Babel, where all our languages separated us and divided us. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Pentecost, our language is no longer a barrier. And I think about that all the time because I remember uh, my when I was living in Spokane, my pastor did a sermon on that. It's phenomenal. Like, I'm not often moved by sermons. Mm-hmm. But this one just, like, I was ready to stand up and, like, yeah. hoot and holler and, you know, like me. But he, you know, he was talking about how, like, these, no one was speaking the same language. We expect 
Christians to sound the same. Mm-hmm. And we try very hard. Yeah. That's why Christianese is a thing. Well, that's why I was telling you I saw a video on Facebook, and I just, like, wanted to gag. It was just all these Christian singers who are going to be on some sort of cruise, and I'm like, they all look the same. Yeah. they all the same. And so what was so amazing about Pentecost is when the Spirit, when the spirit wasn't before the spirit fell, everyone was speaking the same language, mm-hmm. and that was really cool for all the people in that same room mm-hmm. who had all seen the same things mm-hmm. and experienced the same things and mm-hmm. witnessed the same things. Mm-hmm. When the spirit fell, when the spirit was part of it, they were not speaking the same language, mm-hmm. and that probably sounded like chaos. Mm-hmm. But that's when the spirit was there, mm-hmm. and the purpose was because outside of that room, there are people listening on the streets, people who were there for pilgrimage for passover for and, well that right it was and the it feast was of weeks and and it was a relatively um diverse city to begin with there was a lot of like, diversity expats. and also because because of the um diaspora like because the jews had been spread throughout the empire when they would make their pilgrimages like most of them were Hofbreeds, like they were yeah. you know they were hellenistic jews that you know mm-hmm. they were coming from other places and and because so um I'm sure we'll talk more on Pentecost, but uh, the there's a, th- a teaching or a theory that they, the room that they were part of was actually at the temple. Mm. And so um, Pete, they're in the busyness of everything. They're praying mm-hmm. for the festival, and then all these people are surrounding, like, they're, what? <laughs> they're they're Jew, Jewish. They live here. But they're speaking my language. Yeah. Yeah. And, and... Even if those people who are visiting there spoke the language of the vi- the place they were, like even if the if all of those um, people had gone up to them and in what Aramaic probably mm-hmm. is that or and spoken to them, they could have probably understood what they were saying. Right. That does not mean you've heard it in your heart language. Hearing yeah. something in your first language matters so much. And yeah. so when they start speaking different languages and people are hearing the gospel proclaimed in their own language, it hits differently. Mm-hmm. But it probably looked like total chaos. And yeah. it probably looked like disunity. Yeah. But that was the most unified that they had been. Mm-hmm. Because, not not because they were doing the same thing, mm-hmm. but because they were preaching the same word and reaching different people. Yeah. The language they spoke was calling different people to them. Yeah. And that is what is unifying about the mm-hmm. church. I know you keep looking at the clock, but we got to keep going on this <laughs> because, like, this is a big conversation. And so I think all the time about that story and about how... Who is outside of our churches? What language do they speak? Are we speaking it? Mm-hmm. Or does that feel too... Worldly. Well, and and we don't even know that it would feel worldly. We wouldn't even ascribe that word to it. It would just feel too hard. Mm-hmm. It would feel too uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It would feel too different. It would feel like too much. Like someone else can do it. No. Right. No, you've been called. Mm-hmm. If there is someone out there who doesn't get what's going on inside your church, that doesn't mean like they just chose different. No, that means that no one's speaking their language to them. Yep. And I think that when people do speak the language of the outsider, mm-hmm. they're often labeled yeah. an outsider. And that's what I mean. Like, we yeah. can't be seeking uniformity because then any anything that seems a little off balance is not Christian. Right. No. Right. It's probably very Christian. That's why, um, like, youth ministry matters and kids ministry matters. And we don't question that. 
But there was a time that it was like, well, they should just be learning like we are. But we're like, no, that's not how kids learn. That's not how teenagers learn. We have to meet them at their level. Mm-hmm. If we can somehow grasp that in our churches now, mm-hmm. after the ruckus, it still and it still causes because the youth make a mess and someone's mad. Like, <laughs> do you speak from experience, youth just, pastor? Just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. How many things I broke. Like, but to to not do the same now for our communities where, well, we have our women's ministry. Yeah, well, it's catered to moms. It only meets during the day. Well, why didn't you get married and have kids? You know, that we, and we want people to go a certain way. And so we minister to a certain demographic. Right. And the thing is, and we're missing out. We don't know. We don't know that we're only ministering to a certain demographic. Yes. We really don't. We're just making the decisions that seem like they fit our group. Yeah. But does it really? Right. If you were to look over your whole congregation, would you actually be able to say everyone has a place where they fit? Mm-hmm. And if not, you're not meeting the needs right. of the people in your congregation. And, now, you might, and you might feel unified, but you might just be uniform. Now, you also will never be able to meet every need of the people in your church. And you don't have to. But they should have a voice. Yeah. They should. Every if, if language are, needs if, to be heard. Well, if they are present in your greater community, not just your church community, if they are present in the demographic of the local area, mm-hmm. they need to be present and and the church needs to figure out ways to meet those needs. I'm not because, and that's something even, um, I remember talking a lot with, um, you know, black churches, Spanish speaking churches, why, you know, shouldn't we all be united? Shouldn't we be multicultural? And of course, but there's still a, a place for black church and there's still a place for Spanish church. Yeah. But if we were in, as white people, if we were in Atlanta or if we were in a different city, you know, like we're in a place where they're all white people. So we don't have to try and do things like black church. Right. But if there were a bigger population we need well but i will say i do think we need have a need for spanish-speaking church here i agree i, I do. very much agree with that yeah look at and so and so that's where the 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 the, the, the lens goes out now okay so like who's in your church mm-hmm. what languages do they speak there might be people in your church who don't actually speak the language of evangelicalism i am one of them mm-hmm. let's zoom the lens out now who's in your community no, you're not going to be able to meet every need of people in your community. Right. And we're pretty lucky that we have a lot of churches in this tiny little place. Right. For being a small town, we are crawling in churches. Well, no, that's and pretty normal, actually. Per is it? capita, Tim Keller talks all the time that the mission ought to be in cities because because small towns have enough churches. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, well, okay. But even then, it's like, okay, we have churches to meet different people's styles of worship. Yes. But again, that's that's still assuming that they're going to go. Yeah. How do you, how do you go with no goal to get them in? How right. do you just go to go? Right. Who who can you go after? Whose language can you speak? Yeah. Whether it's a different kind of English or because sometimes it is. Sometimes mm-hmm. you will talk to other English speakers and it feels like you're speaking a foreign language because like they have perspectives that you straight up do not. Yeah. Like. Yeah. 
and experiences and yeah yeah and so and it's again like that's why we need to not be so afraid of experiencing the world because that is what makes us so much more effective for the gospel and by that I do not mean it makes us more effective in our agenda right people are not stupid Mm-hmm. If you are just befriending them because you hope they become a Christian someday, they will know it and they will call your bull. Yes. But if you befriend them because you have the love of Jesus in you and it compels you to just love them, period, mm-hmm. that is when a real friendship starts. Yes. And it might be years before they believe anything, and they might never. Mm-hmm. It should still be worth it. Yes. Because you will learn a lot. Yes. Um, but we need to be experiencing the world so that we can go to people and when they start saying things, we don't go like, oh, um, okay, well, we shouldn't, we probably shouldn't say that. Right. You probably, should, you probably shouldn't say that. And you need to let their experiences be true. If they have church wounds, you need to let that be true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even, even if we're zooming the lens back in, even within your church, if there are people who, when you are looking over it and you're like, who is here? Who has, doesn't have a voice? Who have I not heard from? And you ask them and they seem hesitant to tell you the whole truth. It's probably because they feel like they've experienced something they're not allowed to be true or honest about in the church. You need to let them say it and you need to let it be true. Yeah. You need to let it be true that maybe they have a wound. You need to let it be true that maybe they don't feel comfortable all the time and address that head on. Yeah. Because in order for them to feel united with you, they need to be heard by you. Right. And, and accepted as they are, not after they've conformed to what you want them to look like. Yeah. And I mean that almost very literally, because how often do people feel uncomfortable going? I I just think of the the guy at the bar or the homeless person not feeling okay to go to a church because he doesn't have nice clothes or because he hasn't showered. Mm -hmm. That's messed up. Yeah. That's so messed up. Mm-hmm. If we even just something like that have right. this expectation that, well, you have to dress to the nines on Sunday, that that is forcing some sort of uniformity that is not unity. That well, separates us even more. I think even like if you have had just a l- literally terrible week mm-hmm. and you go into church and people are, hi, how are you? And maybe you're like actually like mad. Yeah. Like you're at the point where it's like, it's not even like things are just hard right now. Like you're just like, you're done. You're so angry. Uh huh. If you expressed that honestly, mm-hmm. how are you going to be received? You'd probably be given a talking to by your pastor. Right. right. About not communicating well or something. Or just, oh, well, God is so good. And they just like pat you on the back and move on. We need to be able to be honest with our raw emotions. Yes. You know, like. Uh, if we're going to say that church is a family, mm-hmm. we should be able to let people have a blow up mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. not just be like, oh, they're an aggressive person all the time. Yeah. Be like, they had a moment. Yeah. I have moments. Yeah. You know, I, like, I think that um, people are the most united when they walk with each other in crap and in the hardest stuff. Yes. So if we are just enforcing this uniform cheerleader mentality of like, God is good, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise, let's sing an upbeat song, and then two slow ones. And that, you know, where we just have this formula and expectation that you walk into the building with a big smile on, like, that's, that's uniformity. Right. That's policing behavior, whereas unity is saying, 
forget what my expectations are. Where are you at? Yeah. I see you. Yes. And I think, again, the question to ask yourself, because we're not going to automatically recognize that our expectation is as you come in and are appropriate. We don't know that that's our expectation because we're so used to performing it. Mm -hmm. And so the question to ask ourselves is, is when someone comes in and they're not that way Mm -hmm. and they're not just sad or they're not just grieving, but they're just like over it. Yeah. Maybe they're at a point where they're like, I don't even know if I believe this anymore. Mm -hmm. How nervous do you get? Mm -hmm. If that makes you nervous, you have a uniformity expectation. Yep. If you are nervous that, oh, so-and-so is going to come in here. And they're maybe going to say something. You might have a uniformity expectation. Mm-hmm. Because the unity expectation is this is This is place, exactly where they should be yes, if they are facing all this. This is a this. place where we are here to love each other. And that means at our worst. I don't know where we are on time. I don't really care at this point. Because <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately that are like two hours long and people can deal. <laughs> I, I'm not, my plan is not to go that long. But I just feel like sometimes, sometimes the tip of the iceberg is not enough. Yeah. How do we, because I think this is a big one that people need to do more thinking about, myself included. How do we understand that conservative Christians and progressive Christians really actually do all want to learn more about the same Jesus. Mm-hmm. We don't treat it that way. Yep. We get very caught up in the details, most of which are political. Yep. And we treat them theologically. Mm-hmm. Sometimes political issues are theological. Yes. Pro- being pro-life, cradle to tomb, womb to tomb, whatever they say, mm-hmm. that's a political issue that's theological. Mm-hmm. But we don't get to say someone's not a real Christian because their mm-hmm. theology differs from ours. Yeah. We don't get to say that. And so we need we need to spend some time there because mm-hmm. I am I'm getting so tired of attacks on well on both sides. Right now yeah. I see more attacks on progressive Christians. Yeah. I there's been a lot of like well progressive Christians don't believe in in that's just grace, 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 and never any obedience and never any truth. But I will tell you something. I have only ever heard sermons on repentance in progressive churches. Yup. There's a lot, there's a lot of misconceptions. Yeah. Are there a lot of things wrong? As my friend Greg Cole says, we are not all equally right. Right. We are probably all equally wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is that humility where it's like, not everything about my beliefs are right. So I don't get to look down on them or push them away or speak poorly of them Mm -hmm. when I know that really we're aiming for the same Jesus. But I think that we just don't listen long enough to realize they're aiming for the same Jesus. So can we, can we settle there for a minute? Can we dig into that? Make Mm -hmm. me stop talking. You say something now. I don't know. I mean, I think you said it that, um, in the same way, how can we bridge gaps between Christians of different leanings mm-hmm. um, exposure is a big part of it and assuming the best in them is a part of it and because we see that throughout scripture and I know we've talked about it before like Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement it did not mean their friendship was over they did separate 
Paul brought on a new missionary partner, and but they kept ministering. I they had to go their directions. Am thinking now, and I actually realized I had kind of planned on telling this story from the get go, and I didn't, but it fits here. Um, that in in my life. The two most, I don't want to say spirit-filled people because I don't believe that the spirit only manifests in one way, which is going to be contrary to some of the opinions of people listening. Right. I do not believe that the spirit only manifests in tongues or manifests in tongues first. I don't think that's mm-hmm. first proof because it's mm-hmm. not actually first proof in scripture. The Holy Spirit's in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. But the two people who I know pray in tongues most often in my life mm-hmm. are you, mm-hmm. Carly Kaylin Nelson, and another woman in our church who I'm not going to name because I haven't asked her permission to tell this. <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't think it would matter to her. I think she'd be, I think she'd be all for it. I feel yeah. like she'd be a guest. Yes, yes. Um, we, again, this idea that when the spirit lands and people are speaking in tongues that there is absolute unity. Mm-hmm. Um. These two people who I know who speak in tongues the most could not be more different from each other. Right. Politically. Mm-hmm. Even sometimes theologically. Mm-hmm. You do not bend the same direction. Not at all. But have the same spirit-given gift. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be people who will want to say, like, well, then it's not the spirit. That's Satan. Mm-hmm. Satan is filled one of you. They'd probably right. say you. Probably me. <laughs> Let's be real. But no. Look at the fruit. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, now it's not you. (laughs) It is because the differences are not what make unity. Yeah. All through scripture, the moments that are the most unified are also the ones that are the most different. Yeah. This idea from the get-go of man and woman becoming one. Mm -hmm. However you're going to interpret that. Some people take that to mean like a literal baby. Some of Mm -hmm. it mean like it's a thing about marriage. Like there are so many interpretations on this. Trust me, I have studied it. (laughs) Historically, there's not one interpretation of that verse. Um, It has meant a lot of different things to a lot of different people and still does. Mm -hmm. Um, There's unity and difference. Yeah. There is unity and difference. There is unity and difference. There is unity and difference. Like, how many times can we say it? Like, if right. you're expecting it to be like, they've both been filled with the Spirit, why are they so disagreeing on these different things? Because that's not what makes unity. Right. right. Because in reality, when I talk with that person, we are in agreement yes, on I love her. essentially everything. Like, when, when we are in conversation, and, and especially specifically... I believe that the speaking in tongues as a gift is about equipping specifically for sharing the gospel to go and minister. Mm-hmm. And we both do that. Yes. And we are both in very different contexts to do that. Because you have <laughs> different people who you're supposed to be reaching. Yes. And the people she's supposed to be reaching, she needs to think the way she thinks. Yes. And we don't have to disagree at all. She's going to go about doing her thing very differently than me. Is that going to cause conflict sometimes? 100%. Yes. 100%. But, but if conflict we, is not a sign of disunity. Conflict is a sign that we need to solve the conflict. That we have to get to the root of it and discuss. And sometimes it means accepting each other as 
We well, are. it always means that. And supporting and being like, no, you're doing what you're supposed to do. But that's that thing. So going back to this idea of conservative progressive, because that was mm-hmm. that's where the yeah. two you land. You're kind of into, although moderate. But <laughs> Pretty moderate, yeah. Moderate, but wobble a little. You kind of wobble back and forth. I wobble back and forth. I, I, I like the argument. <laughs> I do, too. I well, love to play know devil's funny? advocate. I don't, I don't actually like playing devil's advocate, but I... Because it makes me nervous, but I also, I don't like to take anyone's word for it. I want to always be open to the contrary. Anyway, that's just me. <laughs> We're the same. Um, but going back to that, this like the line between progressive and conservative... Christianity and saying at the end of the day we're all still pleading the blood of the same Jesus mm-hmm. at final judgment again yeah. however you want to interpret that but <laughs> I how do we move past this whole idea of like well they're just writing an entirely different gospel or are they finally just bringing about more of the details that are on the tail Mm-hmm. When we've we've got a pretty good picture of the ear, maybe we're bringing out some more details of the tail. Like I just—that's where conversation has to happen. If we make assumptions about where they land, and we just listen to like one voice who's the extreme. Well, one voice that's the extreme. I think sometimes what's equally dangerous is listening to a person who is of our like mind describe. Yes. The other. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Where it would be like only listen, only listening to other progressives talk uh, about um, describe conservatives. conservatives or only listening to other conservatives describe progressives. You're not going to get a clean yeah. picture. Yeah. Of, I mean, you're not like when we go, we did an episode several episodes ago, but on Shattered Dreams, Larry mm-hmm. Crabb, mm-hmm. phenomenal book. Mm-hmm. But I will say I didn't bring it up in that episode, but there is a portion where he talks about Buddhism. Mm-hmm. And as he, I was reading through it, I was just like, no. Yeah. Because you have enough people who know because Buddhism. Because I know, I, well, and not <laughs> and even who know, I know enough Buddhists. Yeah. Who, if I showed that to them, he, he does this, like, com- comparison between Buddhism and Christianity. And Buddhism teaches this, and Christianity teaches this. Yeah. And I know that if they were to read through that, they would be like, no, Buddhism teaches that one. They would point right. to the Christian one. Right. Where it's like, but it was because he was explaining it, he'd probably only heard Buddhism explained by Christians. Yes. Yes. It is different when you hear something explained by that person. Yeah. Anyway, and so I think that if you're only ever listening to your viewpoint explain a different viewpoint, you're not going to actually hear the, 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 <laughs> the reality of viewpoint. it. Yeah, right. Because they're coming at it with a slant to bash. No, to, uh, just to... To, 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 to maybe find what's bad. wrong. Right. To yeah. find... Yeah. And, and what's more right, I guess, about ours. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Because um, I they can still that. be like, no, I like that about them, but I hold blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. And I do that. You know, like, I do that too. I think that that's normal. Normal. And, and so the idea of, um, I know I've mentioned it before, that you cannot confront a worldview until you know it so well you almost believe it. But that's, I think, that's so hard for people because yes. they're just going to be like, well, then you're going to conform. But we're so quick. We only ever talk about conformity when it's, like, the thing that scares us. Yeah. There's other th- worldly things. Again, like, worldly being, it stays on earth. We yeah. don't take it with us. Yeah. There are some very worldly things that Christians love. Yes. Yes. But we kind of, we pick and choose where we conform and don't conform. You know who conformed to a pattern of the world? Jesus. When he literally put on a personhood. Ooh. Okay. Okay, well then... Like, if we are unwilling to, and I'm going to use this word 
kind of intentionally, it can sound a little mean, but if we are unwilling to condescend mm -hmm. to someone else's level, and that sounds hoity-toity, but, but that's what Jesus did, that he came down and dwelt among us. He did not have to do that. He did not, you know, we were just re-watching season one of The Chosen so we could watch season two of The Chosen. Please watch The Chosen. And this episode of Jesus, like, building things and cutting his hand and wrapping it up and stretching because he had been working all day and this having to cook food. Picture of God having a body. This humanity of it and him just crying out to, so to God. Like, we're not even at the crucifixion yet and he's already just tired of it yeah and and because 30s am i right i mean i'm not there yet but listen <laughs> ibuprofen for breakfast yeah, we love it um but in that idea that god would cross all barriers in order to know us and he already knew us right so why aren't we crossing barriers no, no. okay I'm gonna... instead what we do is we put up more barrier and police the border, and back off, and stay in our own zone, because we don't want to go over there and mix. Right. And again, are we, are we aware we're doing it? What do we need to ask ourselves to be like, oh, am I unwilling to go to certain people? How about you should repent? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> like, I mean, you want to talk about progressives not preaching repentance. So then, Carly, I'm going to put you a bit on the spot. Sure. If Jesus conformed to the patterns of the world by mm -hmm. taking on a human body mm -hmm. and condescending himself so low to the ground that he would become one of us, mm -hmm. what is Paul then actually talking about, I think it's Paul, when he says do not conform to the patterns of this world? That has to do with, I mean, there is an aspect of being set apart. That doesn't mean retreating. It doesn't mean removed. It, it, it means but, called. But what I, when I hear the patterns of this world, I think of that arrogance and that mm. removal and that my way is the best way mm -hmm. attitude. That is human. Yeah. Okay. And um, this is, okay, so this is a Richard Rohr quote. Some of you listening are going to be like, yes, Richie. And others are going <laughs> to be like, oh, no, oh, no, that's just mm -hmm. too mystic for me. Um, but he says when scripture is talking about these sins of the flesh or, mm -hmm. or things that are so really a better word is ego. Yeah. Because there is something very, very bodily about the Christian. I mean, incarnate is the same root word as carnivore. Yeah. God taking on body that like just the, the the patterns of the world are not about necessarily always just going and doing things with our bodies that are bad. It's the ego. It's the attitude. It's, it is, it's that, yeah. that idea that we're set apart in a way that's like uh, separate. We're, we're, they're over here and we're over here and that's not separate. That's segregated. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, it's set apart in that you're you're just you're called to a different thing. It's like having student leadership. Mm -hmm. They don't get us. They don't get to take their own classes away from the others. Right. They're all still a part of the others. They're just there to like help guide and make decisions. Right. That's what this is. It's right. not. It, and and how would the student leaders even know how to make decisions if they weren't also students? Mm -hmm. How would they know what they exactly. what the school needed, what the other students needed, if they weren't with them all the time? Yeah. 
So this passage from Romans 12 about not conforming to the pattern of the world, the context is important. It's not in a context of you have to act a certain way. Mm -hmm. It's in the context first, the chapter before it ends with this doxology of just praising God. And so it's like this chapter begins like because of how great God is, offer yourself as a living sacrifice right? Like this, this adoration of who God is and Jesus is to worship him with your full self, to lay yourself down. The pattern of the world is to not do that, mm -hmm. that you seek your own glorification. This says instead to renew your mind, to lower yourself before mm -hmm. your king. And that is where you will test his will, understand his will. And it continues now the heading in the NIV of the next section, which, again, originally speaking, there aren't headings or numbers or divisions. These are a, one cohesive thought coming together, okay? Mm -hmm. We go from this worship to this be transformed into this discussion about humbly serving humility. Mm -hmm. That don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Think of yourself with sober judgment. Transform your thinking. Don't conform. Think of yourself reasonably and make yourself less. So Be part of this body. And so now we get into the body of Christ, right? Like right. there's many of us. And so don't elevate yourself. Work together. Or so remove yourself. Yes. Right. So it's it's more about ego. Yeah. And that like the, the don't conform to the ways of this world is is don't take on an attitude of it. Yeah. And so I think that really kind of going back to that question of like, well, then how do we, how, you know, it's one thing to seek unity with other believers mm -hmm. within other denominations, whether across a right or left line within the church. Um, but it, that, that question of how do we then do that? How do we find unity politically within the nation when not everybody is a believer, yeah. so how can we even find the same goal? Is it just about people thriving? Mm -hmm. Partially, but I think that this answers, we're not going to find, we're going to have more differences there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, within, within our denominations, we're going to have that same goal of spreading the good news. Um, from the conservative Christians to the progressive Christians, we're going to have that divide, but know that we really are trying to learn more about the same God. Mm -hmm. Across the political divide, we don't have that assurance, yeah. but we do have a mandate. Yes. You lower yourself. Mm -hmm. You set the example of the heavenly attitude of okay. surrendering your rights. Yeah. Yeah. And that will feel, that's, that's the thing, is I think that more and more often I feel like when I really think about unity, sometimes the more ununiform it looks. You know, I think of mm -hmm. the disciples and how they were just like a bunch of ragamuffins. There was absolutely yeah. no uniformity to them. You had Matthew, a tax mm -hmm. collector who worked for the government, and you had Simon, a zealot, mm -hmm. who I can't stress enough was an extremist, they used violence against the Roman government. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is not uniformity. Right. But they were unified. When I think of my favorite friend groups, <laughs> because I have several different groups of friends, right? Like I don't have one best friend. But the best friend groups to me aren't the ones that we all like the same things and we all do the same things and no, speak the same way. those are so hard for me. I'm like, it's great for Instagram, but really obnoxious for existence. Mm -hmm. 
what I love are my friends that it's like, I don't have any idea why we're friends. I just love you. I just love you. Yeah. You know, I, I have friends who are so introverted, it puts me to shame. And I don't know why they keep me around. And I push their boundaries so much. And and they love me. Mm-hmm. And then I have some who are so extroverted that I'm just like, no, leave me be. And I love them. Mm-hmm. And they love me. You, you know, that... That's unity. It is unity, and it's not uniform. And I yes. think that, like, sometimes... It's, a, it's a, such a love of the differences. Such a love of the diversity. It's a celebration of it. And, and really, that's what democracy is supposed to be. And that's what the kingdom of God is supposed to be. Yeah, and so I just, I think that... E pluribus unum. In some ways, it's like I, the, the thing to be seeking, whether we're speaking about unity in the church or unity within the world, the thing to be seeking is humility. Yeah. Um... It's gonna, and, and it's gonna it's gonna look differently, I think, in both. But I do think that regardless, it is gonna feel chaotic. Yeah, it's going to. When yeah. the spirit appears, we do expect more uniformity. Yeah, we expect the spirit to not be chaos. Mm-hmm. But man, God is not tame. Mm-hmm. And so it's not gonna feel uh, spick and span. Right. It's gonna feel like chaos, but. And similar, I think, like, when you, if you are in a, some political debate, it's going to feel horrible mm-hmm. to lay down your sword and be like, vengeance isn't mine to get. Mm-hmm. This is not my argument to win. Mm-hmm. That that feeling sucks. But that is absolutely what what pleases God and what does then make us go toward unity because if you set if you lay down that weapon and you set that example mm-hmm. and you lower yourself it really does kind of disarm it disarms the other yeah yeah and that's a god that they're curious about then yeah not one who's going to be vengeful and insistent on its own way yeah but one that adores them as they are mm-hmm. and just and that's kind of where I, I keep going back with any time I'm frustrated with someone. It's I, I, I've kind of quit praying that God would change them. I just pray that I would love them. Yeah. As they are, mm-hmm. where they're at. Mm-hmm. And that it seems like a subtle difference, <laughs> but but it really it really does make a huge difference. Right. Because I think that praying that God would change somebody more often than not the the assumption beneath that request is I want it to look like me because if it looks like me, I don't have to be confronted with anything. Right. And I mean, kind of full circling it. I think that that's, you know, as social media is making us see more of the world, whereas before it felt easy because we were just in our little bubbles. And so it felt very Mm -hmm. quote unquote unified. These are not new differences. Right. They're just louder now because we have more access to them. Mm -hmm. And it's my hope that now it's all exposed. Mm -hmm. We are being confronted with things that don't look like us. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're being confronted with things that look exactly like us. Mm -hmm. And we don't like it. So hopefully, 
you know, when I, I, I've been hearing a lot lately of like, oh, the light, you know, it will expose the darkness and it will expose the evil. And they, they, the people saying it, I think, assume that it means like they'll expose all the evil in this corrupt government that's running, whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. No, it's the light is going to expose all of the evil in every single one of us. Yes. That is what is happening right now. That's yep. what we're seeing is we're going to see all of these things come bubbling to the surface, all of our quick reactions, all of our name calling. That's all going to come up and we're going to see how very unrighteous we are. Yep. And how very in need of grace we are and forgiveness and And repentance. That's where we are all unified. 